So why does Warren Buffett still work at 93 years old? He has a net worth of about $118 billion. So that means he would need to spend $11 million every single day to spend all of his money to end with zero if he lived as long as the longest living person in history at 122 years old. Yet he still wakes up 6.45 a.m., goes into the office, studies companies to invest in all, all day. He even meets with some of his top people at his house on Saturdays to talk about investments. Uh, same house, by the way, that he's owned since 1958. Because when you listen to him, he says he's not working. Instead, he's painting what he calls his Sistine Chapel. Here's a quote from him. He says, I feel like I'm on my back and there's a Sistine Chapel and I'm painting away. I like it when people say, gee, that's a pretty good looking painting, but it's my painting. And when somebody says, why don't you use more red instead of blue? Goodbye. It's my painting. I don't care what they sell it for. The painting itself will never be finished. And that's one of the great things about it. So like I said, he's 93. But the thing is, is he's decades into his work at self-actualization, which we'll talk about in a second, or more likely beyond self-actualization, self-transcendence, where I think he's working at a higher goal beyond even himself. So I did a ton of research lately on goal setting, and I published a really long blog article on it, the best that I could possibly come up with about how to set goals that work. If you're interested, I'll post a link below, but you can just go to my blog at mattaclark.com. But then I realized with goal setting, you can be really good at it and follow all the stuff that's kind of backed by science and research. But then you realize that what the heck goal are you setting? Um, that matters more at first than setting a goal that's actually going to work because you may accomplish it. But I think the deal is, is that the first step isn't to learn how to climb the ladder faster. It's to make sure that the ladder's on the right wall. And so that's when I kind of took a few steps back and I said, okay, how do you decide what the heck goal to actually work on? Like knowing how to set a good goal is cool and effective, but how do you know it's the right goal? And so I started thinking through this, doing a bunch of research and the best tool that I came across is the old basic sort of psychology 101 thing we all learned about if you ever took that sort of class, which is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Some people have debated this whole theory, but I think it's the best that we have. And I believe that we should just start at the bottom. And so if you start at the bottom of this, trying to figure out, okay, I want to move my life forward. I want to set a good goal. But what goal do I set? What area of my life do I focus on? Well, using Maslow's hierarchy, the very bottom is physiological needs, which means air, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, reproduction. If any of those are not secure, it's likely going to consume your whole life, and that's where you need to focus. If you're listening or watching this, that's probably not your biggest need. Then you move up a little higher, and this is where you can start running into stuff that you may want to focus here before you even move beyond this, which is your safety needs. Um, this can include things like personal security, meaning that if you live in a very dangerous area, that may also consume all your attention and energy, and that may be where you need to focus on how do I get to a safer area. Uh, could also include employment. If you don't have any money coming in, that can be a big issue. Uh, and then also resources, property. But the big one here, I think for most people, especially if you're an entrepreneur, is health. Because I can't tell you how many people we've had come to our events over the years for learning how to do e-commerce, build businesses, make money, all that good stuff. You know, they're sitting there feverishly taking notes, but you know, they're 50 to 100 pounds overweight. And so if that's you, you probably are better off focusing on improving your health 
than making more money. Now, if you're sort of at your end of the rope when it turns to money, you've got family to take care of, by all means, focus there. Um, beyond that, you may be better off focusing on improving your health. That'll likely give you more energy and attention to be able to make more money, to build more businesses. And so if your health is compromised, that is part of the safety needs, according to Maslow. And so that could be a good area to focus on before moving on beyond that. So next one up is love and belonging needs. And so this includes friendship, intimacy, family, sense of connection. And so, you know, you've seen a lot of heard about a lot of you know different business people and just people in general that just kind of burn all their relationships they're not that happy but they keep driving and driving and driving i don't believe that's a good way to live based on my own experience but the research also supports that you know according to the harvard study which is this i believe 75 80 year long study where they took people um way back then and kind of followed their life all throughout and kind of you know looked at health markers success markers and they really determined the kind of summary is that the number one key to a happy life is positive relationships and so before you start worrying about you know becoming very wealthy or very important or self-actualization becoming the best you can be at something spending time and attention and making sure the relationships around you the ones that you care about most are good is a good place to spend time before moving on so if there's any of those that are really struggling that's not a bad area to spend time so when it comes to setting a goal, you're kind of ticking these off. It's like, okay, <clears throat> are my physiological needs met? Do I have air, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, etc.? Are my safety needs met? Is my health good enough? Is my Do I feel safe and secure? Do I have a job? Do I have money coming in? Is that all good? <clears throat> it's like, okay, yeah, those are fine. Then move on to relationships. So are relationships good? It doesn't mean that everything has to be kind of like a 10 out of 10, but your 10 out of 10 may be different. And so as long as those are, there's no big, you know, sort of blinking red lights there, then you can decide to spend more time there or keep moving up. And the next one beyond love and belonging needs in Maslow's hierarchy is esteem. And so this can mean respect, self-esteem, status, recognition, strength, freedom. Uh, I was just rereading Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. I've read it many times over the years. But he has a quote in there that says, There is one longing almost as deep, almost as imperious as the desire for food or sleep, which is seldom gratified. It is what Freud calls the desire to be great and what Dewey calls the desire to be important. This is what Maslow seems to be getting at when it comes to esteem, because when you break it down, according to researchers, the esteem can be broken into two types, respect from others and respect for ourselves. But in general, um, this is a quote from uh, 2017, says, while these needs and the concept of self-esteem are certainly related, Maslow's esteem needs are more focused on external measures not internal, external measures of esteem, such as respect, status, recognition, accomplishment, and prestige. You want to feel good about yourself, but what you're getting at here is, am I kind of being recognized? Do I feel like I'm contributing to society? Um, that's what we're getting at here. So this is kind of going a little bit beyond yourself and starting to be a little more others-focused, you know, somewhat superficial, but it's like, Am I contributing and am I being recognized for that contribution or am I just kind of an island in and of myself? And so then the question is like, how do you build this level of esteem? Well, Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's business partner says, the safest way to try and get what you want is to deserve what you want. Meaning, okay, I want to be recognized. I want to feel important. I want to have status, accomplishment, prestige. How do I get that? Well, I do a really good job at what 
matters to myself and to others, basically doing the work. Now, the question is like, okay, if, if I need to get good at something and make a big meaningful contribution, not just the appearance of contribution or importance, what do I work on? Well, the Japanese have a concept called ikigai that you may have heard of before, and uh, some people translate it as a reason to get up in the morning, one author, that's that's kind of how he described it in his book. It's like basically your meaning for life. And so it's your intersection of passions, talent, and potential to benefit others. There's a model you can look up online that shows a Venn diagram with four circles, and you're looking for the intersection of these four things. What do you love? What are you good at? What can you be paid for? And what the world needs? You're basically trying to figure out, you know, what is the stuff I like and I'm good at? And then how can it actually benefit other people beyond just myself? Um, and so that's what you're looking for. So if you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I build this esteem? Then find out what you're good at or could be really good at that you like doing and the world actually needs and put all your time and attention there. And when I started going through this process myself, I think this is about where I'm at. And I think this stuff kind of changes because sometimes you feel like, oh, yeah, I've got it dialed in. I know what I'm after. I'm feeling good. People are recognizing the value I'm providing. Um, now I'm going to work on becoming the best of my best I possibly can. So sort of moving on to self-actualization. Then things happen. Life happens. You know, um, you end up kind of maybe going back a few different rungs. And so uh, this there's there's a term for this. I can't recall it right now. But you know, sometimes when you fail to meet some of those higher needs, you can actually revert further down. So then you're very concerned about your safety and security and, and that sort of thing. And that's where your attention and focus goes. And so I think the same thing can happen. And so um, for me, it's like I feel like I've, had, I've realized I have this ability to help people really get through higher levels of growth and development on the business side, but I think somewhat beyond that. And I've seen evidence of this, you know, in our program that we created back in the day called Amazing Selling Machine, and we had people that literally had tried multiple businesses before, nothing worked. They took our program that I originally created um, by myself. You know, my, my business partner, Jason, he kind of coached me and that sort of thing, but the stuff, he didn't know the content was basically coming out of my head and the structure and that sort of thing was coming out of my head. So we had these people that had failed a whole bunch. They took our course and because of the structure, because of the content, and somewhat because of the timing as well, they were able to go on and build multi-million dollar businesses. I mean, some of these people that took that course, you know, they were, you know, kind of struggling, trying to figure it out. I've talked to some that have literally sold over a hundred million dollars a year. And so there's that kind of data point that I've seen. Uh, we've recently also started doing a mastermind that we started last year. And some of these people, you know, their businesses were, you know, somewhat stagnating a little bit. Uh, now, all of a sudden, you know, not all of them, but some of them are kind of jumping ahead, you know, $400,000, $700,000, you know, the businesses are exploding. And some of them, like the biggest issue they have is keeping inventory in stock. And so I'm like, okay, like, I don't take credit for all of that. But there's these little data points that have kind of shown to me that like, okay, I think I can really help people get through next stages of growth. So it's like, that's the thing. And it's beneficial to other people. It's good at I enjoy doing it with the right kind of people. And so it's kind of combining all those things. Like, how do I become as good as possible at that thing? And so part of that includes more studying, more working with other people, more research, more reading, all that sort of thing. But for me, at that point, it's fun to do. So I think that's kind of what we're looking for is that thing we can throw all our energy into. And then that's what benefits a lot of other people. And ultimately, we're kind of recognize that before moving on to the next stage, which is self-actualization. So self-actualization, 
according to Maslow, can be described as the complete realization of one's potential as manifest in peak experiences, which involve the full development of one's abilities and appreciation for life, basically becoming the best we can possibly be. And so one example of this, I think, is, you know, sort of what kept Tom Brady playing after winning the third, fourth or fifth Super Bowl. Like you can't go any higher in the sport than winning a Super Bowl. I think because he loved to play the game and really wanted to see what was possible. Um, he was trying to realize his full potential, I believe. So that's kind of self-actualization where you get to the point where there's not really anybody else to measure yourself against. You're really just measuring yourself against your previous self. And so that's what I think we can all sort of aspire to get to. And then later, this is not really well known, but later in Maslow's life, he ended up adding a even higher level that he called self-transcendence, which is basically finding a cause to devote yourself to that's beyond yourself. So you're no longer so focused on like, how do I become the best I can be? It's more, how do I make the biggest impact? I believe this is kind of where Warren Buffett is and probably has been for a decade or so. He's got all the money in the world. He's never going to spend it. Um, and I think he does what he does essentially for other people at this point. Uh, so this is, I think, a good model to figure out where do we spend our time? What goals do we set? So as far as how to do this, I would say first, determine where you're at on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Start from the bottom and kind of work up. And then really put in the time at the level where you're at before focusing on the next. Then when you get to the esteem section, the second from the top in the typical model, use the Ikigai model to find the best route to building esteem. So this is what you're looking for is the intersection of passions, talent, and potential to benefit others. And I think talent is a little bit somewhat of a dangerous word. Uh, I'm a big fan of Carol Dweck's book called Mindset, where she's done a bunch of research, has a lot of anecdotal evidence about you really never know how far you can go in something. And so sure, if you're not seven feet tall, you're going to be having a hard time playing center in the NBA. But beyond extreme examples like that, there are so many people who didn't start off as the world's greatest performers, ended up becoming them because they just kept working at it. There's always factors, but I like her quote that says, you never know how far you can go. Most of us don't really ever give ourselves a chance because we quit way too soon. I know I do this uh, myself. I'll see somebody else that's better than me or getting learning faster than me or more successful. And I'll be like, ah, what am I doing in this thing? Like, I'll never become as good as that person. But when you really back into it, there's a lot of reasons. You know, they could have had some early influences or they got lucky early on or they've just put in more work. And so I think for us, um, really trying to push ourselves as much as possible, we never know how far we can go in something. And so say, for example, like you really like yoga, you feel like you can benefit other people doing that. It's a passion of yours, but you're mediocre right now in terms of, say, teaching it. Just because somebody else is better, it seems, quote unquote, more natural, doesn't mean that with enough time and effort, you couldn't carve out your own space in there. So part of it is you could literally just become better by time and effort. The other thing is that Carol Dweck says in her book is that you could carve out your own thing in there. So she was talking about people playing music. Um, you know, maybe somebody else picks it up faster, is more quote unquote naturally talented. Instead, you could find out that like, hey, I've got this unique interest or skill over here. I combine it with this musical instrument and now I kind of have my own space in this art. And so that's another potential route. We're all unique, we all have unique experiences, we don't all have to take the same path, but I think a lot of us kind of sell ourselves short. And so using that model to find the intersection of our passion, talent, and potential to benefit others, I believe is good. 
And then once you know where to focus, then use the power of goal setting to get the results you want. And if you're interested, I have it just kind of as a public blog post on mattaclark.com. So I've got that post. It's one of the more recent ones, but if you just look for the one on goal setting, it'll be there. And so that one goes into as much detail as I possibly could on how to set goals that actually work. But I believe that's after figuring out what to actually focus on. So if you enjoy this, please subscribe. My goal is to release an episode sharing what I'm working on to build my businesses and feel fulfilled along the way. To me, it's really those two things that I'm after every day for a year. So this is episode three of that journey. I'll see you tomorrow.